Hey guys, great interview for you today with Sean Rea. He is a real estate investor investing in the Niagara region in Ontario. That's actually where I'm from. Um, he talks about how he focuses on converting multifamily properties using the Burr strategy. He's also investing in Belize, ironically. Um, his Belize is in Belize. He's buying up land and uh, plans to build out there for his retirement. Enjoy. Sean Rea, thanks so much for being on the REI Dad podcast. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Okay. Uh, Where are you investing? Is it Fort Erie? Was it Fort Erie you're investing in? Yeah, so I, I'm in Ontario in the Niagara region. Um, yeah. And uh, I'm investing everywhere in the Niagara region right now. Yeah. And, and so what kind of properties do you focus on in, in the Niagara region? So I started off... Uh, I started off like the very first property I ever bought was at the age of 25 and um, I bought a single family townhome um, and realized, <clears throat> realized after living there for like a year or so that I was living paycheck to paycheck and yeah. decided to make a change. And that's when I moved into multifamily. I ended up buying a, a duplex. And since then, that's all I've purchased is multifamily properties. So duplex as in like a side-by-side -side duplex or a single family with a basement suite? Um, I'm buying purpose-built multifamily. So anything that's already, um, you know, separately metered could be a side-by-side -side duplex or up-down. Um, and then I got into some of the, some of uh, other multifamilies. Um, so just a mix of like everything that I have right now is four units and under. Nice. Um, duplexes, triplexes, and fourplexes. Cool. I, I don't know if you knew this, but I'm actually from Niagara myself about... No, I didn't know that. Yeah, about I moved here 12 years ago, 13 years ago. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm from St. Catharines. I lived in Welland for a bit. Um, yeah, so I'm familiar with the area quite well. And, I, you know, in hindsight, you know, I wish I would have known about, you know, Niagara as an opportunity back, you know, 12 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, because no. I've done really well in the last little while. Yeah, it's done really well. Um, some of the some of the towns and cities in the Niagara region are very surprising. So we've seen um, again, like nobody nobody knew that this was going to happen, but um, we've seen like 20, 20 to twenty five percent appreciation year over year in some of the towns there. What's driving it? I think it's the influx of GTA and, and the cost. So it's the influx of the price point, influx of people, and then all of that influx of people. Is driving the cost is driving the cost to go up because the cost is so good. So you know you're getting like you're getting like uh, like if you are an investor looking for multifamilies and you're buying a duplex, you can still buy duplexes in like the three hundred thousands. Mm -hmm. Whereas like that's just not feasible or possible in any other city that's along the Golden Horseshoe. There. What's what's the rents like? Um. So for your single, I would around there. Yeah. Um, okay. So. I, I don't know exactly the rents in the other markets, but I can tell you in our markets what we're seeing. So we're seeing anywhere um, from a, like a three bedroom could be like 1400 to 1900 a month. Uh, two beds would be like 1100 to 1395 ish is kind of where you're looking at. And then one bedrooms are like 950 to 1100 and then bachelors are like 800 to 950. So the price point and the rents are actually quite similar to what we're, what we have in Edmonton as well. So, you, so I know that that cash flows, right? Yeah, you can still see, you can still see cash flow. Some of them, you know, you have to be creative, right? That's, mm -hmm. uh, you know, a lot of real estate investors need to be a little bit more creative now on, on how they're financing it, what the, like, 
um, maybe maybe changing their terms that they're getting on their mortgages, um, doing the birth strategy. Uh, they have to just be a little bit more creative with how they're you know getting their mo- getting their money back out of the investment. But you can still see properties that cash flow even from day one. Mm. And and the rail the rail line um, is that still being extended to St. Catharines? I remember a couple of years ago there was talks about that. Yeah, so they did they did extend it. Um, they have uh, I think they have like daily transportation right now, like mm-hmm. maybe. I don't know if it's one, two, or three times a day, but it's they already have stuff going to Toronto. Yeah, I think that was one of the drivers uh, initially was because you know now people can commute from as you know as close as St. Catharines or as far as St. Catharines, yeah, which is huge. Oh yeah, and well, what we're seeing is honestly just a lot of families. Like even if even like aside from the commute, we're seeing a lot of families who are first-time homebuyers who can't afford anywhere else. And 300, 400,000 is like an amazing price point for them to get into real estate. Mm-hmm. And then we're seeing people who are retiring from the GTA and they want to cash out on their investment, put that into maybe a different investment uh, with the extra capital that they have and then buy something cheaper and downsize. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a great opportunity for them too. So that's why we're seeing a lot of influx of, of people coming to the area. And since you said family, you know, let's talk about your family. Let's talk about, you know, the life of a real estate investor dad. Um, how, how is that? How, how, what's your dynamic like at home? Is, is, your, is your wife involved? Um, yeah, well, involved to a certain extent with real estate. Like I, I would say she's more of a supporter mm-hmm. um, than I know. So she's not, she's not actively involved in the day to day. But there's no way that I would own what I have now if it wasn't for her support from day one. So like, I had to convince her to move out of a brand new house and buy like a 50 year old duplex and live in it. Right. And that was like, not many, not many partners are willing to do that. I talk to people all the time when I'm, I'm saying to them, Hey, like you should, you should really think about house hacking a property. Mm -hmm. Right. And they're like, yeah, my wife would never do that. And that's just the reality of things. Right. And so you have, if, because I have that support and we were able to do, you know, sacrifice some things, that's what allowed me to continue growing the, the real estate portfolio. Mm-hmm. And so how many kids do you have? I have two daughters they're five and seven and we have our third mm-hmm. daughter on the way in September. That's right. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. It's going to be fun. <laughs> it's going to be busy, <laughs> but it's going to be fun. <laughs> so uh, are they involved? Do they, do they like to go out and see the rentals or, or is it just dad's thing? Uh, you know what? I take, I take my kids with me to go see the rentals. Uh, they come see the renos. They, they understand what the whole process is. So, you know, my, my daughter who's seven, she goes by she, when we're driving down the street, she goes by and she's like, Hey, that's a fourplex dad. Hey, that's a fiveplex dad. And she's, she's calling them out and telling me what they are. Cause she, she looks for the meters. So she knows like what they are. Right. And yeah. That's so cool. And, and yeah. are you guys, are you property managing your own properties? I think you have 25, 23 doors, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. We, we manage all of them uh, ourselves. They're all self-managed. Um, I actually, I don't, I don't, I like, I don't not enjoy doing it. I know like, I know people have uh, people that aren't real estate investors have said to me, Hey, like I would never do that because I don't want to like get a call in the middle of the night and have to change a toilet. That's yeah. not what managing a property is. Right. Um, to, to me, managing a property is, is basically managing your asset and then managing people to help you take care of that asset. So, um, I'm, I'm managing contractors and handyman to do stuff for me. Um, I don't necessarily have to go to the property at all to do any of that stuff. And I make sure that I have a really good open communication with all of my tenants so that they, they know, Hey, I can text Sean, no problem for anything. He's not going to question it. He'll have somebody right away to fix it. And you know, everybody's happy. 
so for the renovations, are you doing the burst strategy? Are you adding this, the suites or renovating it and then refinancing it back to yourself? Yeah. So the first, um, seven properties that we bought, we used the burst strategy. Um, and that's how we were able to just like continue buying more. And then, um, I got a little bit more astute on the area and what the real values were. And I found a little bit of a gap in what people were selling properties privately versus what the market value for those properties were. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was the last, I would say four properties that I picked up, I was able to purchase them privately from the seller. I still got a conventional loan or a conventional mortgage through Scotiabank, but I bought them privately, um, knowing that there was a, a, a big buffer for the value. So like to give you an example, three of them we bought at 265, um, but we had them reappraised within three months without renos for 335. Wow. So we were able to get, yeah, we were able to get our 20% back, almost all of it. Yeah. Um, and then the last one that I bought six weeks ago, we bought for 222 and it appraised for 330. So we were able to, able to get our 44,000 back. Plus we got, we got an extra 40,000 and that's no renos. That's just like buying it going over to the bank and then getting them to appraise it again and refinancing the extra equity out. I always, I was trying to remember how, how, how much I didn't know when I first started out and that whole, the mathematics of that always really confused me for the first couple of years, because you would assume that, okay, um, I'm getting, I have, I am getting 80% back. So like, can you just walk through the math so that people can understand, well, okay, here's what the, here's what you bought it for. Here's what it's worth now. How do you calculate yeah how much money you're getting back and how much money you still have left in it. Yeah, for sure. So to give you a real example of the last property we bought, it, it was a legal duplex with three bedrooms and two bedrooms. Um, and it was getting, it's getting $2,000 in rent. It's under rented, which means I know that we can increase the rent by about $700 on it. Um, the cash flow is only about $500 um, the way it is. So the, the, the seller wanted to sell the property for $230,000. Um, I knew that the property was worth more because I have other duplexes in the same area that had just been appraised for 330. So I, I already had a good understanding that there was a lot of a lot of room there, right? So mm. I, I offered him close to what he was asking. I offered him 220, and um, ended up getting the property. Um, paid one mortgage payment, went to Scotia Bank after that. So for the down payment, you put 20% down. For it was 44 thousand dollars into the deal. Right. Um, so so your, your mortgage is 176 is my math, right? Yeah, it's 176, 178-ish. And you got $44,000 into it. $44,000 into it. Then we paid one mortgage payment, went back to, went back to our mortgage broker, went back to Scotiabank, asked them to reappraise it because we thought there was a lot of room in there. I said, okay, mm -hmm. sure. You know, are you sure you want to spend the 400 bucks? It's only been six weeks. You might not get a good appraisal. Yeah. I said, yes, I, you know, I'll spend the money. Let's do it. So appraiser went by, they appraised at 330,000, which means that they will now give us a new mortgage for up to 80% of the $330,000, right. which would be about, um, 264. I already, <laughs> I ran yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. So 264. So, so it means we get our $44,000 investment and then we get another $44,000 on top. Yeah. So they're going to give you 200, they're going to give you 80% of the new value. So they're giving you $264,000 check. You need to pay off your old underlying mortgage. mortgage of 176. So the difference there is, you know, I'll do the math real quick. Now oh, I'm live and I, and I just, I just messed up the math. That's, that's pathetic. 
88,000, you're, you're, you're bang on because it's, it's your example. But you know, so that pays back your $44,000 initial investment. Plus you got $44,000 more. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you still own a property. You still own the property. Now the one underlying thing is we're hurting our cash flow because we're doing that. So yes. we're going to bring our cash flow from like $500 to like maybe $150, mm-hmm. but we're okay with that because we know that there's a lot of room to increase the cash flow over time. So it's, it's, it's okay. It's not, it's not a big deal for us. Well, you've got $88,000 in the bank now, right? So if you yeah, can we have two more deals like that, now you can do two. Yeah, exactly. So you, you, each. Yeah. you rinse and repeat, use that money to buy another deal. And then even to make, like, if you want to be comfortable, you can take like $10,000 and just put that into a reserve account for that property for anything that comes up. Absolutely. You always need reserve because you never know what's going to happen. Um, yeah. You know, a tenant decides to stop paying for a little while. You're yeah. going to get your money back down the road, but you need to have that money liquid so that it's not coming out of your family's bank account. And you, you yeah, know, you're supporting. Exactly. It. Especially like if you have the roof go, you want to be able to just pay for that cash. You don't have to try and figure out where the money's going to come from. It should just be in your account so you can just use it and it's, and it's done with. I have, I have all of my properties like that where I have a nice healthy reserve fund, except for one. And there was, it was, it was an opportunity. It was a, you know, and, and there's a JV partner on it. And that, that one gives me the most stress because whenever there's something that needs to be done, whether it be a small repair or furnace cleaning or something, I always feel really bad because there's no reserve fund. Like, like I'm, 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 and that's not the way it's supposed to be. You're supposed to be able to just treat it like a business. That's a cost. It's an expenditure and you you expense it. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Your, your reserve goes down a little bit, but in a good cash flowing property, you know, the extra cash flow go in and replenish that reserve. Right. Exactly. If like, if you take a big hit for the roof, let's say it's $8,000, hopefully you have $10,000 in there Mm. and hopefully the property is cash flowing. Like, I don't know, maybe a thousand dollars. So you're going to get your money back in 10 months or eight months. Exactly. Exactly. And a lot of people are like, Oh, you lost money on the house. No, I mean, like, it's just like any investment, you go have upticks and downticks. But you know, real estate is a long term game. And mm-hmm. if you look at it from a long term perspective, with the mortgage pay down with modest appreciation and your cash flow, you're actually doing really well. And oh, yeah, you can't be scared of those, you know, the new furnace or the new roof or that's just part of the game. And I do. Yeah. Ideally, you're planning for it, right? You've already got yeah, yeah. you. You know, within the next five years, you're gonna need to replace that thing. Yeah, to me, that that is what you know. The cash flow is what holds it. It's what holds your deal together. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the glue that's gonna keep your property together as a good asset and continue to let you hold on to it until you decide to exit or keep it and pass it down. Whatever you're doing with it. Right. And then there's always the discussion of, do you spend your cash flow or you don't spend your cash flow? And everyone has a different opinion on it. It really depends on how far in the game you are, because mm-hmm. if you're, if your goal right now is just to pay off all your mortgages, then yeah, I mean, you're aggressively paying off mortgages. You get to that point where, you know, there's little mortgage left, there's no mortgage, then you can start you know spending your cash flow. But early on when you're getting started, you want to leverage um, your equity and your cash flow as much as possible. So you can scale, so you can keep building more and more properties. So yes, absolutely. You know, I don't really recommend spending cash flow early on because that's, that's your liquidity. That's, you should, you should be making sure that you, you have that in a reserve fund, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Personally, all of my cash flow it stays in the accounts. Mm-hmm. And what I do is I just wait until I have a refinance opportunity. The refinance money is what I use to buy another one. And so those refinance opportunities is when your mortgage, so you, you have your value, your home. So your value has gone up a little bit or your property, mm-hmm. sorry. And then your mortgage has gone down to a point where it's 
below 80% loan to value. So the difference between, okay, this is very difficult without a piece of paper, but when you have more than uh, 20% equity in it, you can actually access anything over that 20% equity. Does that, that make Exactly. And if you look at it, like generally you're going in with 20%, not always, right? If it's your first property, maybe you're doing it 5% somehow, like if mm -hmm. you're house hacking, but generally you're doing it 20%. So you're already at an 80% loan to value. And then every year you hold it, you're probably going to average out about a 6% differential. So you'll probably have a 3% gain on your appreciation conservatively, and then a 3% paid on in your mortgage. So you're getting a 6%. So a return, like a buffer there. So if you hold on to it for five years, that's a 30% gain if your property is worth three hundred thousand dollars then do thirty percent of three hundred thousand dollars and that's how much equity you could pull out after three years to go and buy another place yeah and they're normally going to charge you three or three point five percent to borrow that money right but how much yeah. money can you make if you were to take that 90 and go buy another property or two properties how much money can you make off of that how much can you leverage? yeah it's it's phenomenal how much money you can make like you know like a bad return might be twenty percent a good return will be like, you know, infinite or in the hundreds of percents. Like the, this last example that I gave you that we just bought and then refinanced, it's a 220% return in six weeks. Yeah. Uh, and then it's, and then it's infinite. You can't calculate it because like you don't have any money into it anymore. So the only thing preventing us from like being super rich rock stars is just mortgages, right? Yeah. The amount of mortgages and the amount of people that you know that have money. Yeah, that too. <laughs> because on paper, you look at this, you're like, oh my God, I could, just the math is so simple. I could, I could be worth a couple million dollars in 10 years if I just keep mm -hmm. repeating this process. But you know, there are limitations with mortgages and you, you need to know how to play that game. You got to have a mortgage broker on your team that's, that's, that's helping you early on to determine what your goals are so that you can plan. If you're planning to get 15 properties, they're going to get you to go to a certain lender first before they go tell you to go to TD or they tell you to go to Scotia because there is a game behind that on mm -hmm. how to get the most possible mortgages. And your first yes. couple, you might be paying a higher interest rate, right? Yep. 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 Exactly. There, there's a whole, there's a whole methodology, uh, methodology of how you go about which banks you're using, who you're pulling, who you're getting those mortgages from, and then who you're going to go to next. And uh, to, to scale successfully, you need to, like my suggestion is for sure, talk to a mortgage broker who has, who's an investor themselves and they've built out a good, they've scaled a good portfolio, right? Because a lot of people will get stuck at like two, three properties and, and, then, they're, and then they're limited. And, 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 and sometimes it's not the banks either. It's just like you bought the wrong properties. Like the debt service ratio is not good enough and, mm -hmm. and, and now you're stuck. So yeah. You, you, because you need to have a good income as well in order to support that because the way that they calculate debt servicing is it's not the greatest it depends on the lender. Um, sometimes they'll let you use a percent, a certain percentage of, of the rent. Sometimes it's 50, sometimes it's 80, sometimes they'll, you know, they'll make you debt service the, the utilities as well. I mean, there's mm -hmm. each of them calculated a different way. And if, if you don't, I, to be honest, we're not supposed to know that that's why you need a good mortgage broker to plan exactly. for you ahead of time. Exactly. And they're, they're the ones who are communicating with the, with the banks, with the underwriter. Like they're, they're, they're talking to the guy who's going to talk to the underwriter mm -hmm. and that guy is going to know, Hey, my underwriter is going to use these stats. So will this work for your client? And you know, they, so they're, they're your point of contact to scale you, you mm -hmm. know, exponentially. So how are you finding these good Burr um, deals in the Niagara region? Um, some of them I, I, I try to, I try to really like communicate with everybody. So I'll talk to, I'll talk to all real estate agents. I have my real estate agent that, uh, that I work with, but I'll talk to all real estate agents and just try to like make sure that I'm top of mind so that they know, Hey, like I, I want to try and buy like two or three properties. Um, and they know that if they contact me, that 
it's probably going to be like an easy sell for them. Mm-hmm. So I try to stay top of mind with top of mind with the real estate agents. Um, what, every time that I'm going to my lawyer and I'm doing paperwork for refinancing or, or, or purchasing, I ask them, I'm like, Hey, just make sure that if anything comes across your table, you know, if there's a power of sale or estate sale, like, just let me know. Um, because I, I'd like to get something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and then same thing with like my accountant, with even my friends, family, like everyone and social media too. Like I use social media to, and, and that helps because I have people through social media who will reach out and say, Hey, I know about this property that's, you know, for sale and it's my cousin's brother's sister. And mm-hmm. I think they might want to sell it. Would you be interested? Yeah. And back to realtors. I mean, they're just running a business, right? They're trying to get, they're trying to make money and they're also trying to, to use their time um, effectively and productively. So, mm-hmm. you know, if they're going to, they're not going to call you if you're going to be thinking about it for a couple of days. Yeah, that looks kind of nice. They want to call the guy or the girl who's ready to take action. They're ready. Exactly. The one that's got the cash, it's going to buy it. You know what exactly. I mean? And then they can move on to the next deal and do the same thing. So you got to be the person that they want to call. You got to be the exactly. reliable person, right? Yep. Yep. Exactly. So as a dad and you're an employee as well, right? You still have a day job? Uh, I, I got laid off. Oh, <laughs> so I'm not, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not working right now. I, ha- I haven't worked for um, about five weeks. Yeah. Um, so I've just been, yeah, I've just been at home with the kids and everything. Yeah. Okay, that's a redirection for uh, from where was I was going, but <laughs> but the point the point is you know that you're balancing a bunch of different things. Like you know you were you you you're probably going back to work once all this uh, levels out, um, the curve has been flattened, and you know you have a portfolio of twenty five doors and twenty five tenants. You got a family. What kind of routines uh, can you recommend for someone who has a bunch of things very similar to this and that is saying I don't have the time. I don't I, like my kids. I got to put them to bed at seven o'clock. I can't do viewings. Yeah. Um, okay. So best advice that I can give, which I, I don't know how much it can apply to everybody, but when I, when I do like self-reflection on my life and how we've figured it out, I would say that we've created our lifestyle around real estate. Mm-hmm. And so like we've, we've, when my wife, when my wife was working, the reason that I got into real estate was because we were paying so much that like one of the reasons, there's so many reasons I got into real estate, but one of the reasons was like paycheck to paycheck living. And then the cost of daycare was so much like we, my, my wife was going to work just to pay for daycare, which like, it just didn't make sense. I'm like, you're working Mm. just to pay for somebody else to watch our kids. Right. So we, we just, we, we ran the numbers. Uh, So like going like even further back, we ran the numbers and then we were, we reverse engineered, what she was making and how much cash flow we need to just like keep her at home so that she can just stay with the kids. Cause they were, they were young. Right. Uh, yeah. We didn't know we were going to have three kids either. Like, so we, we, we only had one at the time and that was already like, man, daycare is expensive with one. And we had two. So then she, she ended up staying home and, um, and she's been home since then because, because of real estate, because of the cash flow it's allowed for her to stay home. Um, so we've kind of built our whole lifestyle around, okay, how can real estate, how can real estate like change our lives so that my wife can stay home? Right. Or how can real estate change my life? So like, I don't have to go to my nine to five. I can choose to go, but I don't have to. Um, and so that, that, so like, that's kind of like my suggestion would be if you're, if you're getting into real estate and you're trying to scale this portfolio exponentially, like you should really try and you should really try and make your decisions based on like how you want your life to be. Right. So, uh, yeah. that, that, that's, that's my best recommendation. Like, I did it because I wanted the freedom. I wanted the extra money. And then once I had, once I had the extra money coming in, 
I realized that I didn't really care as much about the money. I actually valued my freedom and my time spending with my family and like going out and doing stuff and traveling. Like that's way more valuable than the money. The money is a tool that allows me to do that. Mm -hmm. Traveling. I heard you bought some land in Belize. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I did that kind of like, yeah, that's kind of, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of cool. Um, I, um, I started looking into it last year. Um, I'm, I'm really like a beachy person. I love like the beach and tropical weather and, um, like tropical music and palm trees. So I, I started doing some research on like places that we could own property and I ended up falling or coming across Belize and finding out that, um, they're the only English speaking country in Central America. That's, that's their primary language. And you can be a foreigner and own land with fin a fee simple title, which means that you, it's the same way as Canada. So in Canada, when you buy a property or land, you own that outright. It's not leased to you, mm. uh, which means you don't have to give it back. So you can pass it down, uh, to the next generation if you like. So when I found that out, I, I started to do some more research in Belize and I came across this little, this little island called Ambergris Key. And is, I've never actually been there, but it's like, it, it looks beautiful. We, we went to this other place called um, Bocas del Toro in Panama, fell in love with it. It was a little tiny island off of Panama and this reminded us of it. So I talked to my wife and I said, hey, like, do you think we could buy something here and, you know, make an investment of some sort? So she, she said, yeah, like, sure, go ahead if you think it's a good idea. So <laughs> I, I, ended up, I ended up doing it. Um, and I, I never went there. I never met the real estate agent face to face, never saw the plot of land like live. Yeah. Um, but I kind of just pulled the trigger, bought it. I went through, I was more worried that I was going to get ripped off when I wired the money. I'm like, man, yeah. maybe I'm going to send all this money and like, I'm not going to get anything. I won't hear from these people, but it actually was, it was fine. I got all the paperwork. We got, we got everything sent over. My, my lawyers notarized everything, sent it back. They registered me on title in Belize. And, uh, and, and so we have that. And because, because of the process, like this goes back to like risk taking and like getting over fear, um, because, because of that process and, and I actually went through and I and like fought my fear of actually taking this risk. I went and I bought more, uh, like two weeks ago. Um, really? yeah, because I realized that it's like, like I can actually do this. Uh, so let's just buy more cause it's a good investment when I, when right. I ran the numbers. And, um, so yeah, so again, it goes back to like, risk taking and getting over fear and fear is like fear is a, a, just a limiting belief that will it'll like suppress you and cause you to stay in the same place and you know for me I'm, I'm just like a growth mindset I want to just continue growing so uh, that was one thing that I, I was actually fearful for and when I got over it then I'm like okay I'm going to take this opportunity and just kind of run with it right how much are we talking for a plot of land um, you can get them for like 35,000 us around there for, for a plot of land. Um, and they go up. So it depends. Like if you want beachfront, you're talking like 150 to like 250,000 us. But if you want just a little bit in, which is what we got, um, yeah, it's like 30, 35,000 us. Um, and you can, you can build on it. There's like, there's like uh, builders that do prefab homes there. They'll, they'll come and they'll like just plop a house down right on the lot for you. Yeah. And you're like, you're like a five minute walk from the beach. And, and, and I'm just curious. I mean, how much are we talking for a prefab house there too? To, to yeah, build, uh, build your dream, you know, vacation spot or, or your, uh, the place that you go half the year. Yeah. So I would say again, that like the price can fluctuate. Cause I, I've talked to somebody who spent a million dollars to do one that was on beachfront. So they, they, they bought beachfront land. It was 250,000 and they spent 750 to do their build. Mm. But but 
to me, again, I'm, I'm very, like, I'm, I'm pretty conservative. I'm not, a, like, even though it might seem like I'm a risk taker, I'm not, like, I'm very uh, limited on my risk. So I, I calculate everything. And so for me, like, I don't, I don't want to go and build something uh, that's, like, you know, like, very super expensive and luxurious. I'm happy with just having, like, a little two-bedroom, like, 900-square-foot cabana mm. right on the lot. And to price, like, I've priced that out. And you're looking at like $50,000, $60,000 US to get that built. So is Belize your Belize? Is it the, you know, as Don Campbell calls, you know, calls it the, you know, your, is that what you're trying to work towards or is it something that is just an investment for you? It's both. So I, I would say, I would say that uh, I'm trying to make an investment that aligns with my lifestyle. Um, which means that we'll be able to go down there, we'll be able to enjoy it. And uh, when it's not being used, um, the idea is that we'll be able to, to get some cash flow from rentals that we're, that we're doing down there. Mm. Um, I've, also, I've also kind of uh, figured out another strategy. Again, this is from, it's from networking, right? So I make sure I spend a lot of time networking and, and talking to, uh, to other investors on what they're doing. So um, I've, I've figured out that, um, I can also buy plots of land and stuff like that and, uh, and pay cash for them. And then there's people that are, that are interested in buying, but they don't have the funds to buy it, um, hundred percent down because you can't get a mortgage on, on that stuff. Mm. So, so one of my, one of my strategies that I'm moving forward with is I'm actually buying some and I'm, I'm actually going to be reselling them and, and financing them out to people, um, probably at a like 10% interest rate or 12% interest rate. Very, very creative. I like it. I like it. Yeah. So it's kind of like private lending, right? Yeah. But I'm just doing it with land. And then there's, there's some, there's security in the land where if, you know, if they default, I can just take it back. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so with property management um, and COVID, I, um, I'm so tired of talking about COVID and COVID strategies and stuff like that, but you know, it's, uh, has anything changed for you in Ontario with your tenants? Are you having difficulties? Have you had to adapt for dealing with tenant delinquencies or finding new tenants? Um, so we've, we've filled a couple units during this, you know, COVID crisis. Um, and what I did was I didn't actually just meet face to face with the, with the pr prospects. Um, I just did a video of the unit and then when I had a person that was interested, I, I showed them the unit through the video, through like a link where they can just check it out. And, um, and then I still do my due diligence. So I run neighborly, I have a call with them, I check their references and, um, and it worked out fine. And we were able to fill the units. I, I didn't even uh, do a face to face with the tenants. I could have done FaceTime, but like, didn't have to, mm -hmm. um, it, you can, if you want to. Um, and, um, and then as far as tenants, like paying the rent and stuff, I would say we collected like 95% of rent and, uh, the rest of the rent that's, uh, that's overdue or hasn't been paid. Um, I'm doing, I'm just working with the tenants on a case by case basis. I'm not like submitting N4s and saying like, you guys need to pay rent. Like everybody's being affected and I totally mm -hmm. understand. So, I just tell the tenants if they don't have it on the first, that's fine. Just pay me when you have it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's because you have reserve funds where you're not all that affected, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so it's, it's not affecting your family and your household. Um, yeah. And 
<laughs> what do you think about all of the rent strikes? It's a little more uh, common in Ontario. And, and a lot of that's just headline stuff. That's social media. I don't, I don't, I don't fall for that. But have you, have you heard about any of that or is it yeah. affecting you? It's not affecting me, but um, it is happening in Ontario. I think it's happening. Um, I think it's happening in some of the communities where the rent is higher. Mm. So if, if it's, you know, 2000 plus for, for rent and um, you're only getting 2000 for your, for your um, stimulus payment. Well, do you pay rent or buy groceries? I get it. Like if your rents, you know, two, 200, two, $2,800 for like a one bedroom or two bedroom in Toronto, like I understand right? Yeah. Um, if your rent's a thousand dollars and you're getting $2,000 and you lost your job, well, you should still be able to pay most of your rent, if not all of it. And that's conversations I've had with people recently. They're saying, well, what if your tenants can't pay? A lot of my suites are suites. You know what I mean? They're up down, um, suite of properties, you know, they're, they're townhouses. So the rents are between 900 and $1,500, a lot more reasonable to pay or pay a good chunk of it than it is for a single family that's $1,900 or you know something mm-hmm. in the GTA or Vancouver. I completely understand that. It's just not realistic. Does yeah, no, no, no. And, and there's no cash flow there. Like there's no cash flow if you're renting that. So like those people, uh, they're, they're at, there's a lot more risk. There's mm-hmm. definitely a lot more risk. Yeah. So, so what are your goals long-term? Obviously, you know, landing in Belize sounds pretty great. Um, you know, do you, do you have, um, something that you're working towards or you just, just love growing? Um, yeah. So with the downtime, like the last five weeks that I've had, I, I started studying for my real estate license. So I, I should have that for the end of the year. Um, and I started, um, I started uh, putting together a coaching package. So I'm doing some class, I'm, I'm doing coaching on the side right now. I have a couple nice. uh, students and I'm, I'm doing some classes end of this month. I partner with a financial advisor and I'm doing a house hacking class and I'm doing a burr strategy class. Um, the links are in my bio. So like if, if you want to sign up, you just go to my bio and you can sign up for the classes there. Yeah. And uh, so I'm working, I'm working on basically teaching other people what I've done um, and just showing them my methods showing them my personal numbers, like my spreadsheets, just how I've been able to build my own business and uh, sharing it with others. Because I know that like, like I was that guy who was like, broke. I was, I had no money. I was paycheck to paycheck. I like, I didn't have money to, I didn't have money for anything, you know, and Mm -hmm. I was struggling. And then I had my first daughter and I'm like, Oh my God, like, like, is this the life that I'm going to live? And, and, and is my daughter going to, you know, look back and be like, you know what, like my dad struggled and he didn't have money and we couldn't get stuff like that. And that's how I grew up. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. So yeah, I want to help other people just do what I'm doing. That's awesome, man. And share that link with me and I'll put it in the show notes there. Um, my last question for you, uh, before we, you know, we wind her down, I always like asking people wh- where their breakthrough moment was, you know what I mean? Where, where was that moment where you, where you realized this is something I can actually do. And, and it's normally that moment that that was, that was right when you just started learning, learning, and you've never looked back. Do you, do you know when that exact moment was? Yeah. Um, I would say that that moment was when I was working a nine to five job. I was working, I was supposed to be working 40 hours a week, but I was working closer to 60 hours a week. Mm. Um, I was commuting back and forth an hour and a half to Toronto and, and back every, each, each way. So three hours of my time dedicated every day to that. Then a 10 hour, I was supposed to be doing eight hours, probably doing 10 hours. So 13 hours a day. And I was living paycheck to paycheck. 
and my wife went, went on mat leave and we we had our first daughter and i i was sitting in in i was sitting in the outside of the corporate office building in my truck that was leased that i was paying $500 a month plus $300 $400 a month in gas plus insurance and i realized that I didn't have enough money to put gas in my truck to get home because I hadn't been paid that day and my money was supposed to be there, but it wasn't. Mm. And I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, I can't, I need to change something. And that was, that was like the light bulb moment for me where I went down a rabbit hole. I went home and I started like Googling, how can I like side, side hustles, passive income, different income streams, educating myself financially, realizing like, I'm just buying liabilities. I didn't own any assets. Um, and that was, that was like the, that was the game changer. I went down the rabbit hole. I started reading all the financial books that like any real estate investor would, it would recommend like rich dad, poor dad and cashflow quadrant, mm -hmm. uh, richest man in Babylon, wealthy barber, uh, four hour work week. I just started reading everything that I could get my hands on. And then I went down the rabbit hole and I never came back. And your life changed. Yeah. Just that one moment. Isn't that crazy? Just that one moment yeah. that changed your life. And had you yeah, not had that moment, where would you be right now? I'd, I'd be probably working the same job and I'd be paycheck to paycheck and I wouldn't own any assets and, you know, just be doing what I'd be doing what I, I wouldn't know that I would do. I wouldn't even know that I was doing anything wrong. I would just think this is life. This is what it's supposed to be like. Exactly. I, I, thank you for sharing that. And, and thank you for sharing everything else uh, today. This was a, a fantastic interview. Um, My pleasure. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting to know you better. If I ever make a trip back out to Niagara, see some family, I'm definitely going to look you up. We'll get a coffee or a beer. And uh, yeah, if anyone's awesome. interested in finding uh, you online, where do they find you? Um, you can go to seanrea.com. Or just find me on Instagram and social media. I'm really active on social media. So um, if you want to connect, just like go to Instagram or Facebook. It's the uh, uh, easiest way to connect with me. Awesome. Thanks, Sean. Stay safe. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for having me. You too. Have a great day.